Music is central to our well-being. If you're listening here, chances are you feel the same. The Classical Post podcast uncovers the creativity that exists behind great music. We believe music is interconnected with other art forms and life experiences. It doesn't exist in a vacuum, but is often influenced by other sources. No matter who you are, cultivating your creativity is fundamental to being better in business and living a more holistic life. Discover more on this podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Eifert. Thanks for joining me today, and I hope you find something valuable in this episode. Soprano Laura Strickling joins us on the Classical Post podcast to discuss her Grammy-nominated album, Confessions. Calling the U.S. Virgin Islands home, she tells the story of managing a mammoth commissioning project from the Caribbean while in lockdown. Before the pandemic began, she launched a large undertaking called the 40 at 40 Project, where she commissioned 40 composers to write 40 new works celebrating her 40th birthday. Even though the pandemic hit right after the project began, creating these new works fed her soul artistically and kept her connected even while live venues were shut. Now the project is ongoing. More commissions are happening and numerous albums will be released, the first one potentially in early 2023. The fun takeaway from this episode, though, is how she's become, quote, classical music's finest rum runner, unquote, according to her own labeling. As one of the Caribbean's most loved exports, this is a humorous tangent. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Where do you find inspiration to create music? I actually think it's it's literature and poetry and, and writing. I, um, as a singer, I'm, I think at my core, I'm a storyteller. I love to bring the audiences into a space. And, and because I do a lot of recitals, which are art song groups, put to, songs put together, I get to choose those songs and I get to choose the story that I want to tell an audience. And sometimes it's a literal narrative. Um, here's a story about a mermaid dragging a man into the sea. And sometimes it's a little more esoteric. I um, lived in Afghanistan for a few years and I sang a recital there. And I chose to sing a, a, a set of songs that had um, a little bit of, of a dystopian bent, uh, particularly The Hangman at Home by John Musto, um, because these were ideas that I wanted my audience to think about, even if it was kind of a subtle under the radar message, it was there. And I have that power as a singer. In terms of these other fields like art, design, architecture, fashion, those four um, specifically, do any of this resonate with you? And do you find um, that any of those influences the actual music making? Sure. Well, specifically, I love fashion as a singer. I get to wear a lot of beautiful clothes and I get to express myself externally <laughs> uh, based upon what I'm, what I'm doing in a given concert. So, for instance, in January, I was doing Pierre Lunaire with a group called Key Arena Chamber Players in Washington, D.C. And it's this very spooky, extroverted piece. And I searched for, um, for weeks to find the right dress to express this piece. And I ended with this, um, with this gown by a, a maker called Selkie. And it's got these big puffed sleeves. It's very Victorian Gothic. And it adds, I think that when I choose the right outfit for any given piece, it just adds to the audience's appreciation and understanding of that piece. 
It sounds cool. I would love to see a, a picture of that. <laughs> if you go to YouTube, there actually is video of the performance. Oh, oh video? Okay. You can see it in action. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Describe a routine you have in place that helps you live a healthier life. I am very fortunate to live in the U.S. Virgin Islands. So it is summer all year round, and we spend a lot of time outdoors. I would basically live a very indoor-outdoor lifestyle. Um, but specifically, um, my routine is I am a swimmer. So I am in the pool every single day that I am home. Um, because I'm a singer, I travel a lot for work. And I'm always very sad when I'm in a place that doesn't have a pool. But I find that swimming not only helps me with my uh, breath support and vocal control, my actual instrument, it just takes me into a wonderful meditative mind space going back and forth in the cool water. It's, there's just no place I'd rather be. I can imagine. Yeah, with that surrounding, I'm sure that, that will yeah. help anyone live a healthier life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, what energizes you in life to keep going and, and to cre keep creating? I think that that question was a major, it, it was like the theme of the pandemic, right? Because all of a sudden we were in a position where we could not create in the ways that we were used to. Music performance came to a halt and all of us were left saying, if I'm not an actively performing person, who am I and why do I do this? All of the reasons we might have had before suddenly changed. And um, for me, it's about collaboration. It's about working with other artists. And all of a sudden, I couldn't do that either functionally. Um, I, right before the pandemic started, I had um, started a project called the 40 of 40 Project, where I commissioned 40 songs from 40 composers for my 40th birthday. And I um, had in place this project that I didn't know was going to factor so heavily into not only keeping me actively, artistically occupied during the pandemic, but keeping my soul fed, being able to communicate with these people, both composers and librettists and poets from afar. I'm on an island in the Caribbean and they're all over the world and we're still able to make art together. So even though I wasn't able to actively perform, there was so much artistic collaboration happening and it was amazing and it really did keep me going. And I think that ultimately that's what keeps me going as an artist is working with other artists and making art together because then the, we are all um you know better uh, outside of ourselves we are, are are more important and and amplified when we're added together i think it was such a cool project you did i mean that 40 at 40 was so clever and and i think it, it has such a great um backstory too about especially the pandemic and when it took place etc um, do you have any lucky. other, you know, I didn't, yeah. I didn't have a crystal ball. I didn't know that the yeah. that was going to happen. And it really turned out to be in the nick of time, as it were. Uh, do you have anything uh, planned to kind of keep that uh, moving forward now kind of after the 40 at 40? I mean, is there kind of a, an extension of the project, if you will? Absolutely. So the CD, the first CD, volume one will come out hopefully by the end of this year, possibly at the beginning of, of 2023. Um, and so 
the recording comp project is ongoing. Um, the live premieres are starting to happen because of the pandemic. Nothing was happening, but this spring we were starting to finally get see live premieres happen of these songs. Um, so that's an ongoing project. But also I'm well over 40 at this point because ultimately it's a it's really the beginning of a personal mission to commission because I work with so many living composers. I would never want to just say, well, I hit 40. Bye guys. <laughs> Peace out. You know, so I'm well over 40 at this point. And I just kind of see it as, whoops, sorry, doorbell. I just kind That's of see it as, um, as the rest of my life. This is part of, this is something that I'm committed to as an artist is part of my reason for doing what I do. And it just keeps going. Do you think you'll keep the name 40 at 40 and just like that will be the brand and you're just using that with all of these yeah. things that will occur afterwards now? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And and just kind of explain that, you know, again, the beginning of a personal mission to commission. Yeah, I love it. No, I think it's great. I think it's great. <laughs> I was just curious. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, I talked to some some people in my in my advising team, if you will, when I had this idea, like this is the idea and I want to call it the 40 at 40 project. And every single one of them was like, are you sure you want to call it? Like, are you want to tell people you're eight? <laughs> and I'm still 40 right now. I will be 41 <laughs> next week. Um, but uh, I, happy <laughs> early birthday. Thank you. But I was, I was definitely like, yes, I am proud of those 40 years. I could not be the artist I am at this very moment in time if I hadn't invested those those 40 years and they in, in coming here and all of the experiences I've had as a human and as an artist, they matter. And I refuse to apologize for being alive. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And also um, in classical music, everyone has such a long career. You know, this is not like being an athlete where you have such a, yeah, well, fingers <laughs> crossed, but such a short career like an athlete does. Yeah. I mean, uh, musicians just keep going. So 40 is nothing. That's what I say. What is one specific product you highly recommend? And I'm thinking really anything. <laughs> what, what can you recommend our listeners? I would not be a proud resident of the Virgin Islands <laughs> if I did not recommend one of our, our local rums. <laughs> I, I love it. What is it? Well, every single time that I travel for a gig, if I can fit it in my suitcase, I always have a bottle of rum to bring to the people I'm, I'm singing for um, to thank them for inviting me. Again, it's kind of weight-based if I can do it or not, but um, I, I usually travel with a bottle of Haven Sight rum, which is a local um, St. Tomian rum. And I call myself, um, you know, classical music's finest rum runner. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, what a fun thing. That is great. I love it. What restaurant or bar do you love to eat at when you're in New York City? And then the follow-up, obviously, is what do you order there? So I was working on an opera in New York last year. At the, it was my first post-pandemic gig, and it was for um, experiments in opera, and it's filmed for PBS. So we had to come to New York five times last year for the different phases of the project, rehearsal, recording, filming. And I always was in the Williamsburg neighborhood for these rehearsals and stayed in this particular spot. And it was down the block from a restaurant called um, The Butcher's Daughter. 
And it's a vegetarian restaurant. I'm not a vegetarian, but I just loved this reg- this restaurant. And I, I basically went there every day for breakfast and sometimes lunch and dinner just because I thought that their food was so good and imaginative. And I just loved the the decor of the restaurant. The wait staff was so kind. And, and, and I just they had indoor and outdoor seating because, again, this was still kind of prime pandemic time. And so I just, I, I cannot recommend The Butcher's Daughter more highly. I think they actually have like five locations, but I was in the Brooklyn location. And I, my favorite thing was called, I think it was called like the Health Bowl or something like that. But just kind of fresh vegetables, really, really lovely preparations. I love it. I actually have been there, not to the Brooklyn um, restaurant location, but I think the Manhattan one in West Village, I believe, Mm -hmm. um, a few years ago. And you're right. It's such a beautiful spot and they have really great food and the atmosphere is fun and it's always packed. I mean, people love that spot. It's really great. What's your favorite thing to do in New York other than attending concerts and eating at restaurants? Um, for me, it's usually about connecting with friends. I lived in New York for five years before I moved to the Virgin Islands. And so, you know, and singers kind of, we're very transient people and we all kind of converge and, and, and whoever's in town. So basically I'll do these, like, I'm in town, everybody meet me at blank at blank time. And we just have kind of like a mass gathering of anybody who's in town at the same time. And we all have like these mini reunions. So, um, I've kind of picked a different bar or you know like the the fountain at the at the metropolitan opera you know to any uh, any common place where i think we can pull people together and just kind of have these like flash reunions <laughs> <laughs> that's great let's take a quick break did you know classical post is a brand built for your pleasure by gold sound media a new york creative studio developing content for music lovers around the united states we're always looking for new opportunities to partner with music presenters artists and record labels If you're interested in content to build your community, please get in touch. Head to goldsoundmedia.com. Now, back to the show. Tell us about your album, Confessions, that's been Grammy nominated in the Best Classical Vocal Solo Album category. Congratulations, first of all, but I I can't wait to hear uh, how you created this, why you created this. Go for it. So the why is that I I do a lot of recitals and I had been singing this um, song cycle called Confessions for many years. And every time I sang it, someone said, where can I hear that again? Oh my God, that just spoke to me. That could have, I could have said those words and I need to hear it again. And there was no recording. And as far as I know, I was the only singer who had this, this song cycle. Like I was the only one with a score. So um, I thought, well, I just really need to get this recorded. There's like, people want to hear it. They want to hear it again. So I started to think about um, the composers who, Um, I work with who have supported me as an artist and informed my artistry and who I wanted to include and what songs had they written that I felt made a really lovely, compelling program. And so I kind of started with that one building block and, and, and added to it until I had what I felt was a really wonderful, cohesive um, concept for the CD. And then in 2017, I went in the studio and recorded it, but didn't finish and planned to go back a month later. 
and finish it. And two category five hurricanes hit my island in the Caribbean. And all of a sudden I had like no time, no money, PTSD, mothering of a one-year-old by myself um, because my husband was still on the island and I was um, stateside so we could have power and water for about seven months. And everything in my life became this absolute whirlwind of insanity. And it wasn't until 2019 that I was able to get back in the studio and finish up the CD. And then I was a working singer and a mom and trying to do everything. I just didn't have time to take it across the finish line. I had the recording, but I needed to do all of the other things, of which there are many, to get it out to the public. And so I, it sat on my shelf for about a year. And then the pandemic happened. And all of a sudden, I had all the time in the world. And so I contacted a label that I had worked with in the past on one of their projects and said, hey, I've, I've got this recording. I just need to get it out. And so because they couldn't work either, uh, they decided to take it on. This is Yarlung Records, Baba Tia, um, who d- did everything to, that needed to be done to get it across the finish line. And and so it was this very kind of long, drawn, drawn out process that un- overcame many hurdles, but then was ultimately in front of you because the pandemic stopped me from being able to travel and work. <laughs> That's a, it's such a crazy story because it's it's mm-hmm. so many different points along the way that you you like tried to give birth as it were to this album and then kind of kept facing these obstacles. I mean that's really crazy. I mean, I mean I don't academic, have, but... yeah, I mean I don't have a team. I don't have a, an assistant. All the work has to be done by me. And so when I am a working singer and I'm learning music and I'm traveling and I'm trying to see my kid when I'm home, I'm maybe I'm traveling with my kid. There's just so many things happening that like. If the work, if I don't have time to do the work, it waits. It has to wait because they right. have to prioritize, you know, the music learning. And I do a lot of new music that's hard. And so it takes a lot of focus. Yeah. It's also crazy. Um, but going back to the, the hurricane situation and then raising a one-year-old, you said at the time, mm-hmm. that's nuts. While yeah. trying then to kind of, or you had to shelve, I guess, the project at the time when you had to sort this other stuff out with the hurricane. Well, and I yeah. had to do my gigs. I never had to cancel a gig. So I was still okay. traveling. Um, but it was just, you know, when, when one major piece of your life is, is in chaos, it's very hard to kind of keep all the other balls in the air. And so I had, I had two jobs. It was keep being a working singer and keep my kid happy and alive. <laughs> and I, I think I succeeded in both of them. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, cheers, cheers to that. Uh, and then. It's also, I think, particularly cool because the, the the big point, I guess, with this whole big journey is that now it's Grammy nominated. Well, I didn't expect it. I I was, you know, I'm I'm a Grammy voter, so I know all of the projects that were up for a nomination. I saw that list, and there was no part of me that dreamed in a million years my project would be one of the five chosen for the nomination. And you know, they say the cliche is like, wow, it's just such an honor to be nominated. And it is like, I am here to tell you, like, I, whatever happens next week at the ceremony, I am utterly honored and thrilled to be nominated because I know how many people put out amazing projects last year. And I don't think that mine is more deserving than any of them. I think everyone is, everyone is working so hard and putting out beautiful projects and wonderful art and, and like anyone else could have been nominated. I'm really, really thankful that I was. And this is your first nomination, correct? 
Correct. Yes. And you, I, I believe everyone gets um, like some sort of medallion or something, even for being nominated, right? And and I think, it's, is it a plaque as well? A plaque and a medallion? A, a certificate, I think. It's like a, a, an embossed certificate. But I, I haven't gotten mine yet because one of the problems with living in a territory on an island is that your mail is a lot slower. Um, I'm watching everyone do their like unboxing videos and I'm like, but I want mine. I want to see it. I want to hold it. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, why well, I bring it up because I have just recently seen people post about these, and they're very beautiful medallions. Um, I hadn't seen them for some reason. I just I, I always remember either. seeing the actual award, but not these medallions. So I think they're they're really beautiful. I think my understanding is that they actually used to hand them out at the at a banquet the day before the awards. So ah. the function that they have gained by sending them to people ahead of time is people are actually showing them because it's now become this thing. Like it came in the mail. I can open a box. I can hold it up and, show oh, yeah. and put it on social media. But since before it was kind of like an afterthought to the ceremony, no one really focused on it. So I, th I think if I had to guess the they moved the ceremony both by date and by location this year because of COVID. So it's in Las Vegas three months later than it was supposed to be. And so that's, uh, there's been a lot of changes uh, because of COVID. And that's, I would say one positive. I hope they keep doing it. Although I would still like to get my, <laughs> I would like to do my own unboxing because I can't <laughs> wait to hold it. But, but I think it's actually really positive because I like seeing my friends open those videos. It helps me celebrate them on their journey because again, it is just as much an honor to be nominated as it is to win. So like there's the, the, the fact that it's adding weight to that honor, I think is, is really a positive, um, thing to have come out of this kind of upheaval around COVID. Oh, for sure. And that also explains why I probably didn't uh, remember this medallion from previous years, that if it was mm -hmm. given out the day before, it kind of got lost with the, uh, the uh, kind of a, a ceremony itself, where now yeah, like you're so. saying, if they're, if it's well in advance, then yeah, there is that kind of, I'm going to show this off before we get to, uh, you know, the, the ceremony. And I think it, it's cool. Uh, they're in Vegas this year. I, I remember attending the ceremony when they were in New York for the 60th um, anniversary. <laughs> at Madison okay. Square Garden. So that was really cool. Um, be neat. But yeah, it was really, really cool. It was in 2018 uh, okay. that that happened. But uh, yeah, I, that's the one and only time I had been to the Grammy Awards. And yeah, it's a fun experience. To wrap this up, I'm curious about success and what it means to you. So when you think about your career or just life at large, uh, what does success mean to you? I did a masterclass once for some um, high school students at uh, the New World School of the Arts in Miami. And one of the students said, uh, raised her hand, you know, the way, the way only someone who's like very young would and could do is like raise their hand and say, do you think you're a successful singer? And I was stopped in my tracks, like total deer in the headlights. Cause I didn't until that very moment, until she asked me that question, truly think about that. And the the humble side of me wants to say, well, you know, I, I've never sung at the Met, um, you know, like there are things that I could do to, you know, that I would be more famous or more accomplished in people's eyes. But I am a working singer against all odds um, because all of us have this very long uphill battle just to be working. And I'm so thankful to be working. And in that moment, I, I, I stumbled and I just, I said, I think I am. And the whole group like burst out laughing because I was so surprised at my own admission that like, I think I might be, I might be a successful singer, but I think my definition of that success is the fact that I get to share what I do with audiences. And that is such an honor and such a gift. And I cannot be ashamed of 
any part of it. And I, I'm just so excited that I get to do this and it's an honor. So yeah, I think, I think the fact that I get to do it means that I'm successful. Thanks for listening to the Classical Post podcast. I hope you have found it meaningful and that it gave you new ideas to cultivate your creativity to be better in business and life. So let's stay in touch. Remember to follow this podcast to get notified of new episodes and sign up for our monthly newsletter for album recommendations and editorial on leading artists. Just head to classicalpost.com slash subscribe.